So today we're going to look at the book of Luke, chapter 1. And our, our, the verse we're going to look at is verse 74 through 75. But so that you can get a context, I'm going to start at verse 67 and go through 75 for context purposes. But our main text is Luke, chapter 1, 74 through 75. Amen. Let us read the text. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he had visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy towards our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, here goes our key verses now, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. Amen, amen. If you have ever grown up in church, or if you've been a part of a church for, for many years, um, you know that Christmas time in church means one thing. It means that there's going to be a Christmas service for the most part. And at the Christmas services, you have people putting on plays, right? You have uh, uh, musicals. You have concerts. You have the, the little kids come out and, and, and they, uh, they do the nativity scene. You have all of these things when it comes to Christmas. Why? Because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. But you can easily do this ritualistically. You can easily just anticipate that Christmas service when the kids come out in their nativity scene outfits. You can easily do that. And because we live in America and we have such great marketing, where, where Christmas is everywhere, you can really miss the point of Christmas. I mean, even now in many department stores, you start seeing Christmas decorations go up in August. August, right? So it's still summer, it's still hot outside. People got shorts on, but you go in the store and you see Christmas trees and, and then you, you see all of the, the great stuff and, and it's just everywhere. Why? They say because it's the most wonderful time. Right? Of the year. People spend money. We, we do all these things. We get so caught up in the season. Christmas curls, eggnog, candy canes, Christmas trees, presents, spending time with our family, gifts, all of those things. They are good things. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the point of Christmas. That's totally it. And if you focus on those things, you will miss the point of Christmas and your rejoicing will be low. It will not be at its highest point. The, the meaning for Christmas or the reason that we rejoice at Christmas because it's the celebration or it's the birth of the Christ, our Savior. And so in the scripture today, we're going to see a person in Zacharias who is rejoicing at the coming of the Messiah. And speaking of gifts and presents, I, I just want to show you, like we talk about Christmas and people receiving gifts and presents. I, I want to show you this gift that Zacharias is getting because Zacharias is going to have a child. 
in late age, him and his wife, and his child is going to be John the Baptist. Think about that. You're in late age, and all of a sudden your wife is pregnant, and not only she's pregnant, she's pregnant with a son, and, and his son is going to be John the Baptist. And guess what Jesus said about this son, John the Baptist? Jesus said, among those born of women, there's no one risen greater. There's no one greater than this John the Baptist. So you get one of the greatest men that walked on the face of the earth, John the Baptist. That's the present. And not only do you get John the Baptist, but after his birth, the Holy Spirit goes and fills you up. And then you begin to prophesy about the coming of a savior, the savior. That's a Christmas present right there. You're getting your son and then you're getting filled with the Holy Spirit to where you begin to prophesy about the coming of the savior. And that's what we're reading here in these verses. We're reading Zechariah prophesying about the coming of a savior after his son is born. So that is a merry, merry Christmas. So in the beginning of this prophecy, I just want to bring your, your eyes to focus on something. In, in verse 68, look how he starts it off. He says, bless the Lord God of Israel. He said, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Notice the words that he uses in this prophecy. He said, he has visited us and he has accomplished redemption. Do you notice something in those words? Those words are all past tense. They're, they're past tense. Look at the irony here. Zechariah says prophesying future, but in his prophecy, he's speaking past tense. Why? Because what God says or what God thinks will always come to pass. So that's why he can say that. Look, Jesus is not even born yet. He's still baking in his mom's belly right now. He's still in there, but yet Zacharias can say that the Lord has visited us and has accomplished redemption even while the baby is still in Mary's belly. And it reminds me of Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 6, when it says that we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Even though we're here, but the Bible saying that we're already in heaven, really, and we're seated in heavenly places. See, the scripture uses language like that because it is so confident. It is so sure that what God has done or what God has said will come to pass because God is faithful to his words. So that's why the Bible can use language like that to say accomplished and redeemed, even though the baby is still in the womb and not yet born yet. But now I want to get to the center of Zacharias's joy. I want to get to the center here. And in order for us to understand the, the center or the, the main part of his joy, we have to understand the circumstances and times that Zacharias is in. So let's give us a, a, a quick recap. The children of Israel had sinned, fallen short of God, served other gods way back in the Old Testament. Because of their disobedience, remember God, they, they're forced into exile. All of their rulers are kicked out. They're kicked out of their homeland. And for 500 plus years, their homeland is under occupation. It's never how it was. And so now at this point in time, the Romans are ruling them. And so the Romans, they have to submit to Caesar. They have to pay tribute and taxes to Caesar. 
But, but God had promised in his Old Testament text that his judgment against the children of Israel would not last forever. But that there is coming a redeemer, a savior, a king who's going to make things right. This anointed king. And so John the Baptist is now prophesying, saying that time, what God had spoke of in this in the Old Testament text, at that point in time, he's saying it's right now. So Zacharias is delivering good news. He's saying that time, the, the judgment that, that we had, now it's over, and God is going to redeem Israel. That, that wrath is up, and now God is going to redeem us and bring us back to himself. There's going to be peace and fellowship with God because God is now, he's going to raise up, the scripture says in verse 69, a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. Now, you got to understand what this term horn of salvation means. When it says horn, he's not speaking about a horn that we play our musical instrument. But they're talking about the, the horns of a bull or an ox. And at this time, that stood for strength, for power, right? You see those big bulls with those horns sticking out? That's strength right there. That's power. And then when he says horn of salvation, salvation means to be rescued, from danger, to be rescued from, from death. So God is raising, basically saying that God is raising up a powerful deliverer, rescuer. So he said he is raising up this deliverer, this, this powerful savior. But what is this savior going to do? What is, what is this savior or Messiah going to, do, going to do? Verse 71, look what he's going to do. Let's see what it says. It says that Salvation, so deliverance, rescue from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. So this, this, this Savior is going to do what? He's going to deliver them from their enemies. But who is their enemy? Who, who is the enemy that Zechariah is talking about? Who, who is the enemy of the children of Israel? The enemy at the time that is writing that many people believe was the Romans, right? Because the Romans were the one who were, um, who were occupying their land. They were the rulers. So the enemy was the Romans. And see, this is why many people doubted that Jesus was the Messiah when he was on earth because they expected this Messiah to come in and he was going to go, he was going to, um, take back their land and he's going to use force and power and he's going to overthrow their enemies. And so that's why many people, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah because when he came in, he wasn't doing what they expected. They were looking for a, long, a strong military leader that was going to come and kick their, their enemies out and it was going to restore things to how it was. But God, being loving and merciful, guess what? He seeks our best interests even when we don't seek it ourselves. And what I mean by that, many Jews at this time, they thought that the problem was the Romans. But God sends the Messiah to address the real problem. The real problem or the real enemy was Satan's sin and death. See, that was the real enemy. That was the one that the Messiah was coming to rescue us from. See, in our world, we often take a surface level view of our problems. We, we, we think that if I just change these bad habits, 
things are going to be good. We don't understand that the problem in us is so, so deep. It's beyond these surface levels of just changing habits, but it's somewhere rooted deep inside of our hearts. It's sin. It's not me just changing these little actions or just trying to change some habits, but it, it is much deeper inside of our heart, a place that we can't even reach, that we're not even strong enough to do. That's why Zechariah, in the beginning of this prophecy, said that he has accomplished redemption. See, redemption was when a person was stuck in slavery and they were not able to get themselves out. A person who was stronger would go and pay for them to relieve them in their situation. Guess what? The scripture is basically saying that your sin problem is so deep, you can't get yourself out. So you need a savior. You need a deliverer who can go to that place that you can't go and take you out of that situation. And so that is what God is doing here. He's addressing our real problem. The real problem is our broken heart because of sin that we can't change. So God has to raise up a deliverer, a redeemer who can go to that place that we can't go. And so that is why God is sending this deliverer, this redeemer, because he's doing something that we can't do. See, you are powerless to change you. You are powerless against sin. You are powerless to win the battle of joy. You are powerless to win the battle of depression. You don't have the ability within it within you. That is why you need a redeemer. That is why you need a savior because you can't change you. So God, seeking our best, sends us the savior. I think about Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 where it says that the battle that we're facing is not against flesh and blood, but it's the spiritual wickedness. So for the Jews, the battle or the enemy was not the Romans and their idolatry, but it was the person behind it. It was Satan. It was sin. It was death. That was the enemy. They were separated from the life of God. That was the problem. They were they were drinking out of broken cisterns as opposed to the fountain of living water. See, that was the problem. They were separated from the bread of life because of their sin. See, that was the problem. They needed saving from that. So God is raising up a savior, a redeemer to deliver us from the true enemy. And so that's why we see this prophecy written like this see god could have sent jesus just to put an end to roman rule he could have sent them just to end the occupation in jerusalem he could have did that he could have easily sent the messiah to create this vibrant culture a booming economy literacy jobs All the stuff you hear the politicians talking about and all the protesters in the streets. He could have easily sent the Messiah to do that. But guess what? When those people die, they still would die separated from God because of their sin. Even if God gave and created a booming society where the Romans were kicked out, people's joy would still not be fulfilled or would not be full because the wall of sin would still be blocking us from the treasure, which is God. Let me say that again. The wall of sin, it would still be blocking us from the treasure, which is God. 
So God is sending his son to take care of our most immediate need, the removal of sin, justification, so that we can have peace and fellowship with God. See, God is the reason or the purpose of the sending of the Messiah. He's the reason for the birth of Jesus. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Look at verse 74. Look at verse 74. He says, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies. Now, let's see, why does he want us to be rescued from the hands of our enemies? What, what is he trying to accomplish? What is the Messiah going to do? That we might what? Serve who? Him. Without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So the reason that he's redeemed us is for what end? So again, I want to go back here. He's redeeming us and rescuing us from our enemy, which is sin, Satan, and death. Why? It says, so that we might serve God, the treasure, the end, without fear. That's the purpose of the, the Messiah coming. to. He's, he's going to come and remove all of the obstacles that are standing in our way, which is sin, Satan, and death. He's going to take those things out of the way so that now we can have the treasure and worship him and fellowship with him and know him. That, see, that is the reason. It's for God's glory. That's why he's sending the deliverer. It's not just for you. He's not raising them up so you can be more about you and your happiness and your ways, but he's raising the Messiah up to break the chains of sin that we can't break so that now we can go to God and find our joy in him and our fellowship with him and to drink from the fountain of living water and to walk in a new and living life. See, that is why he's giving the Messiah so that you can get access, that you can truly fellowship with the Savior without sin and death and those things blocking you and distracting you from the true treasure which you should be worshiping, which is God. That's the purpose that the Messiah is coming. That is why we rejoice at Christmas, because now we have access to God and we can serve him and worship him without bondage. Now, Zacharias, did he understand the depth of his prophecy? No, I would say. Just like many of the Jews in Jesus' day, they were looking for something else. But that makes an even greater point. Zacharias maybe didn't understand all that Jesus would do, right? Because Jesus was still in his mom's belly. He didn't know that Jesus was going to raise up the dead. He didn't, get the, he, he, he didn't know that he was going to heal the blind. He, he didn't know that he was going to feed thousands with a few pieces of bread and fish. He, he didn't know those things, but you have the full revelation. See, you, you know that. And not only do you know that from Scripture, but you walk with God yourself. He has delivered you. He has made a way out of no way. There were times where you were in darkness and you went to the Lord and he redeemed you. And he delivered you. See, see, you have a more reason to rejoice than even Zacharias because you are walking with the Lord. You're seeing him work in you. You have a reason to rejoice at Christmas. You have a reason to rejoice. You're here now because of the work of Christ redeeming you. You're here now because you're in your right mind. You know where you would be before in the past on a Saturday night? You know how tipsy and the hangovers would be? But now you're here worshiping because of that night that the Savior was born. 
See, the reason I stand here today is because of that night. The reason that I'm striving to be a godly father and, and a husband and the Holy Spirit is working in me is because of that night. The reason that I am the head and not the tail was because of that night. The reason that I now walk in victory was because of that night. See, you have a reason to rejoice. Don't take this as a day of presents and gifts, of physical presents and gifts. This is a day to worship the Savior for the gift of eternal life that he has given you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we so thank you for your gift. We thank you for our, for being in our, our right mind today to worship you, to praise you. We thank you for sending your son to take care of our biggest enemy, our greatest need, removing the barrier so that we can have you the treasure to worship you in holiness and righteousness. Not in fear, but knowing that our sin debt has been taken care of and we will stand before you rejoicing. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for our redemption, for our new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.